Blog Talk Radio. Hi, it's Alan Hi, good afternoon. Um, I called you earlier, and so we are ready to chat. Uh, sure, here okay. Right. Okay, let's jump right in here really fast. So, uh, of course, we are chatting about your current book, Cancel Culture, the Latest Attack on Free Speech and Censorship. Um, your book makes a, a very strong argument for free speech, due process, and restraints, restraints against the often this overzealous culture we seem to be in today about totally canceling people and businesses or institutions, mostly through social media. Um, how did we get here as a country and a society, and when did all of this get so out of hand and out of control? Well, it's part of a larger picture of, I think, people thinking that they know the truth, uh, people from the woke generation believing that there's no need for another point of view. I actually have written another book since I wrote Cancel Culture. I've been writing a lot of books in response to this phenomenon, uh, my actual newest book that just came out is called The Case Against the New Censorship, How to Fight Back Against uh, Big Tech um, Universities and Progressives. But the, it's all part of the same picture. Uh, when you think you know the truth, when you think you have the truth on your side, you don't need dissent. You don't need due process when you know that every uh, police officer who kills a black person is, of course, guilty, when you know that every man who was accused by a woman is guilty, when you know that every election is fair, when you know that every um, uh, vaccine works perfectly, then why do you have, what do you have to have trials? What do you have to have due process? What do you have to have statutes of people who you disagree with? Why, why do we have to have dissenting points of view? And so I think that is where the problem arises. Is today's so-called, uh, quote, woke culture, is it dangerous or is it, a trend we're going through as a country or what? Well, I think it's a trend. I think the pendulum swings widely in our country, and I do think that um, uh, we'll get over it. Um, I think uh, people grow up, mature, and uh, the pendulum swings, and that means it will move in the other direction. Um, you know, we've been through many periods in my own lifetime. I started as an adult during the period of McCarthyism, where it was the right wing that was trying to suppress left-wing speech. Um, then we went through the Vietnam protests, where the left was uh, uh, destroying buildings and assassinating people and uh, engaging in violence. And, you know, then we went through a golden age uh, of free speech for some period of time, where free speech was expanded and equality was expanded. And now we're in an age of intolerance, uh, where people don't accept uh, dissent or other people's ideas, and um, I hope it will be a short-term deviation from a norm in America that has generally been respectful of free speech. To further speak of McCarthyism, and that, that's one of my questions here, as we are currently today with all of this verbal correctness, overly politically correct sometimes, are we nearing a McCarthyism-type era by but using high-tech procedures? Are we close to that? It's much worse than McCarthyism because McCarthyism was able to be combated in the courts. It was, after all, mostly governmental. The government used Joe McCarthy, the House on american Activities Committee, Senate committees of a similar type, 
and we were able to go to court and beat them. And for 50 years, I litigated First Amendment cases and won almost every one of the most important ones being the Pentagon Papers case and some of the others like it, uh, because we were fighting the government. We had the First Amendment on our side. But uh, today, it's the corporations, the big tech that has the First Amendment on their side. Is social media now more powerful than the traditional media that we all grew up on? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. There's no question. They're much more concentrated. Um, People get their news primarily today from uh, the social media. And the social media has certain uh, exemptions from defamation, for example, uh, under Section 230 of the Communications and Decency Act. And none of the conventional media ever had that kind of um, uh, privileged exception from the law. So I do think that and the reason I wrote my newest book, Case Against the New Censorship, is to alert the American public to the fact that the new censorship, private censorship, is in some respects even more dangerous than governmental censorship. Is that good? Is it good or bad that social media is more powerful than traditional media? It's inevitable. It's inevitable. You can't describe good or bad in terms of progress. It will happen. It has happened. It will continue to happen. Nobody's going to stop the social media. It's going to become even more influential and powerful, which means we have to, A, adapt to it and make the law adapt to it. We'll have to make sure the antitrust laws adapt to it. The laws of common carriers adapt to it. Section 230 adapts to it. All of these things have to happen. You can't stop progress. You can't stop uh, scientific developments. Um, Facebook and Twitter and YouTube are inevitable. So, you know, it's like saying, is is nature good or bad? We have to do something about it, just like we have to do something about um, uh, the climate and how it's been affected. We have to do something about big media, but we can't stop it. We can't just spend our time bemoaning it. What do you have to say regarding um, President Trump being banned from most major social media, especially Twitter? Is that is that a form of cancel culture for him? There's no question that it is. Um, Twitter has decided to cancel him instead of allowing him to be as part of the marketplace of ideas. But, you know, he, it's just the tip of the iceberg. Let me give you an example from my life. So uh, I recently debated Bobby Kennedy Jr., the son of the former attorney general. He's a very distinguished environmental lawyer and is a skeptic about vaccines. I'm less skeptical about vaccines. So we debated the constitutionality, the legality, the morality, all of the issues, the science about Vaccination. It was a great debate. Thousands of people watched it. People changed their minds. They were influenced by it. And then Google took it down. YouTube took it down. They decided they only wanted people to hear my side of the debate, which they agreed with, rather than Kennedy's side of the debate, which they disagreed with. I didn't want to win the debate in that fashion by 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 YouTube declaring me the victor. I wanted to persuade more people in the marketplace of ideas. And so you know, we moved the debate over to Rumble, which uh, is an alternative site that doesn't um, censor. So that's one way of fighting back against uh, the new censorship, creating better and more vehicles to allow our material to be heard. That's why I appear willingly on your talk show, uh, because uh, you are part of the answer to the problem. You're not censoring, and, um, and, and uh, podcasts, the same thing. So we need to have more voices rather than fewer voices. And so 
other than read your two latest books about this whole topic, of course, what are some other initial actions that an individual or an organization or a business can do if they find themselves a target of the cancel culture? What's the first two, three things that you suggest they should do? Well, uh, first of all, fight back. You have to figure out the most effective way of fighting back. It used to be the courts. Today, the courts will play somewhat of a role. Legislatures will play somewhat of a role. Um, um, uh, Developing podcasts and talk shows like yours uh, play something of a role as well. There are many things we can do, and it's a work in progress, which is why I wrote my books, Um, writing books like mine, doing articles, um, fighting back in all these ways is is a very important uh, antidote to the movement towards censorship and cancellation. And they're, they're, they're part and parcel of the same thing. And so let's say uh, a person, maybe they don't have the powerful platform like President Trump has that can start his own uh, or whatever, but just say, you know, an individual, maybe it's a doctor, maybe it's a teacher, uh, after they have definitely been targeted by cancel culture, say three months later, six months later, their name and reputation has been tarnished, then what do they do post-cancel culture? They've done the first initial stuff. Well, then they can fight back through lawsuits. If, if uh, depends on how the cancellation occurred. It depends on who the cancelers were. Um, and it depends on what form it took. I mean, cancellation can be defamation. And that's what's so dangerous about Section 230 of the Communications and Decency Act, because that exempts the social media from being sued for offensively canceling. And uh, I think we're going to see more and more lawsuits against the cancel culture um, uh, by people who have been canceled. We're going to see challenges to 230, both judicial challenges and legislative challenges, and I think that will be a good thing. Mr. Dershowitz, you are a book-writing author machine, a walking <laughs> publisher yourself. What, what do you average a, a book every six or seven months now, or what? Well, it's been a little bit more than that since the pandemic. Uh, mm-hmm. I've written uh, basically four books. Wow. And, um, and, um, and, you know, I think that's the answer to that's how to fight back against this. Um, you know, I'm retired from Harvard now after 50 years of teaching, so I have a little bit more time and ability to write the books that I've always wanted to write. I'm up to number 47, and um, I'm 82 years old, and so my goal is to hit at least 50. And uh, uh, um, I think I hope I'll get there if God gives me the the health and the strength to continue to do my writing. Well, I think it, you'll probably be there before the year is out at the rate you're going. Like that. Well, I <laughs> Not just, quite, but maybe next year. Maybe yeah. next year. Well, I just have this note here really fast as my last question, that NBC has uh, is not going to air the Golden Globe Awards next year uh, in regards, of course, to the whole um, – controversy and conflict with the uh, diversity complaints against the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. Now, this is, to me, this is, a, is this a good example, again, of cancel culture or, or what? Yes, okay. it is. It's certainly an example of cancel culture. Um, you know, they should try to have some influence. If they want more diversity, they should have more diversity. But uh, the Golden Globes are an important phenomenon, and uh, people should be able to see it and make up their minds for themselves. 
Okay. And lastly, how can uh, people, after they purchase your books, if they want to uh, write to Oh, you? that's the easiest thing in the world. <laughs> you get my book on uh, Amazon, Kindle, anything like that. Okay. And then uh, in the book it has my website, and uh, you can reach me through my website, uh, through the Harvard website. I'm easy to reach, and I generally respond to emails. Great. Well, as always, I had you. I interviewed you about a year and a half ago. It's always a pleasure to chat with you, and so I'd love uh, to my chat pleasure. with you next book as well. So thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you so much. Keep doing good things. Thank I you. sure will. Thank you then, sir. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another edition of Film Festival Radio with your host, Janice Malone. Be sure to download this and other episodes at filmfestivalradio.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.